Welcome to the Enrollment Insights Podcast. I'm Will Patch, Enrollment Marketing Leader at Niche. In this podcast, my goal is to focus less on the promise of best practices, instead look for the processes and questions that spark internal reflection and lead to novel solutions tailored to your institution. My guest today is Vicki Hidalgo. Vicki is currently a national leader in campus recruiting for U.S. Bank. Prior to recruiting cohorts of students in a corporate setting, she spent six years in missions recruiting students for Minnesota State University, Mankato, and Hanover College, where she last served as director of admissions. She's energetic and a joy to learn from, and I'm sure you're going to hear all of her passion for helping people maximize their skills and find their best fit. Welcome, and thanks for making time to chat. Thanks for having me, Will. Excited for our conversation today. Well, first up here, what's something you tried that didn't work, and what did you learn? Oh, boy, there are so many things that I know we're going to talk a little bit about career transition today from enrollment management to kind of a corporate recruiting setting. So I'll, I'll answer your question um, from that perspective. Something that I um, came in as I was transitioning in my career was thinking that I could apply the same practices, right, that we see in enrollment management to a different industry of recruiting. And a big one in enrollment management we all know is search, right? And that is mm-hmm. um, the translation for in the corporate recruiting world is sourcing and they look very different. Um, and so I did have to, you know, kind of change my mindset of how we found candidates and, you know, the type of search engines and the the way that we source new talent essentially becomes. So there isn't an opportunity for us to buy names like we typically do in enrollment management, but more so search them, literally search them out. And so that is something mm-hmm. that I had to kind of unlearn a little bit and then relearn as I came over into this industry. And that, that's interesting. What, what else goes into sourcing besides just the outright search? I assume you're doing some lead gen campaigns, things like that. Yes, a ton, a ton. It actually, they go hand in hand, but it's essentially a different segment of recruiting. Um, and so it, it operates, it can operate as a completely different team, but there are dedicated folks that are specifically working on sourcing. So anything from, of course, lead generation type of campaigns, um, super active searches on LinkedIn, you know, on platforms um, like Handshake that I know our career centers use often. Mm -hmm. And then across the board, just Google and, you know, learning different concepts like Boolean search and and how you find talent has been uh, definitely a big, a big learning curve here for me, but very exciting one as well. And so what practices are you using to brainstorm and bring new ideas into your work? I, I think you have a pretty big team there, right? That you can bounce ideas off of? Yes, yes, yes. Um, very grateful to, you know, work for a really great organization in U.S. Bank and um, have a, a phenomenal team of folks to work with. But I, I do continue to, as I, we brainstorm ideas and bring new ideas to what I do, one of the things I found super helpful is just c- connecting with colleagues, um, you know, talking to other companies. I think it's a concept that I wish I saw more in enrollment management, right? Connect more intentional connections with other schools mm-hmm. to really share some of those best practices and even get into like tactical ideas. How are you doing this? How are how is this working for you? Um, in my experience, you know, being a leader in the enrollment management side, I did always sense a little bit of a stigma, you know, be, behind like keeping info close to your chest in some way. Um, and that makes sense because we're, of course, competing for the same students. And, and we see that in the corporate side as well. But I do think there's something to be said about being transparent, even if you are, mm-hmm. you know, sharing a, a tactical strategy that you that is a little bit of a competitive advantage. Not everybody's going to do it the same, right? And we have to we have to remember that um, our environments are different 
different. Our leadership is different. Our admi administration is different. The students we're working for is different. And so sometimes some of the best ideas really come out of dialogue and out of being transparent with another colleague. How do you how do you approach those tactical conversations? Because it, they, I mean, some people might feel like, oh, well, this is my this is my secret sauce, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's there's a fine balance because there are secret sauces, and I totally believe in secret sauces. My personal secret sauce is the people that get to work with me. That's um, kind of my pride and joy, and where I you know help develop that talent. But the tactics itself, it, it's helpful to talk about best practices, and you have to give and take with one another. Um, if you want to know more information, there's probably a sense of you needing to give some of that information. But there are time and time again, you know, where I had conversations with colleagues that were, hey, well, you know, how are you doing in the class? Mm -hmm. Good. Oh, nice. Are you seeing anything? You know, and it's very surface and nobody's yeah. giving anything. And I, and I wish we had more intentional conversations about, hey, you know, we are we are down but you've been down before too. Like what worked? What did you try that didn't work? And um, here's what we're trying or, or we're up. And we think this was what really uh, like gave us the edge this year. You don't have to go into the details and the mechanics of how it was developed, of course. But I do think if those questions arise, I would be somebody that would or on the side of transparency. And at the end of the day, we're all in it for the good of the students, right? And to, to grow our society and have it become better. Of course, we need our institutions to thrive. Um, and that's where the secret sauces come in. But I are on the side of transparency when when kind of brainstorming with colleagues and have found it incredibly helpful. And, and when one person starts being transparent, it helps open the door to others. It's, you know, it's Absolutely. not just standing around at that college fair and everyone's just very, very top level. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it comes from your leader, too. Right. If you've got mm -hmm. a director or a VP that operates in a transparent way and isn't afraid to say, hey, we're having you know, so-and-so from this school come and shadow our visit program, you know, that opens the door for some of that transparency. And I think your your admission counselors then are more easily able to say, hey, I can share and give and take um, and work together to kind of ideate some of the best ideas that could come to the surface. Well, you're talking about all this very active search. You know, you're looking on LinkedIn, you're using other sources, trying to dive down and find the right people for your institution. As you're doing those searches, how do you avoid inserting some bias in there that, well, we're looking for this type of person, and then you you exclude people who might be a good fit who are just outside of that. They just don't fit who you've worked with before. Yeah, that's super good insight. And I, I actually just um, was listening to another podcast um, where we it talked about how we search, right, how we search for talent. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that really stood out to me is, you got to mix and match where you're searching, right? We think about the LinkedIn, I'll, I'll use it as an example. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we'll type in X information that we're looking for. And we have these 500 profiles to look at. And the reality is a, a person may only be looking at the top 30 that pop up, but there are um, those 30 are probably the people that have the most um, well-developed LinkedIn profiles, but they not necessarily be the best, right? The best mm -hmm. may be folks who just have their name and title on their LinkedIn profile. So starting in the middle, starting at the bottom, switching up your search with some keywords, thinking critically about if I'm looking for somebody that is um, more senior in the role, maybe the word senior isn't what I'm, what else? It, what if I ask, you mm -hmm. know, director or lead or, you know, even just coach or tutor or whatnot. So expanding, thinking a little bit more critically about what we're searching for and where. 
is the contributor who is the best at getting the job done necessarily going to be the best at selling themselves? Right. You know, right, that's, right, right. It's a tough balance. So with, with your secret sauce being your people, what are some things you would love to be able to take back to the admissions world in terms of growth? And, and how are you building your bench, I guess? How are you uh, developing your, your people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, something I really learned as I've, you know, made the, made the jump in career moves here is the power of holding leaders accountable a little bit more in the education of their own people, right? And higher ed, I don't, I don't think we're often, we, we say we're very metric driven and we are, right? Because it, enrollment, it, it's all about the numbers. Um, but when it comes to developing talent and developing the people on our teams, we don't often put any metrics behind that. That takes away responsibility from the leader to have to do anything about it. Um, so a, a good example, you know, when we talk about diversity and equity and, and what does that mean and what does that mean for our students? Something I would do differently today um, would definitely be to, to sit down with the, the more junior staff, even some of the senior staff, right, and talk through what does equity mean and how do we see that? How does a high school visit look different at one school? versus another, depending on the resources that may be available. We we all know we've got counselors who have, you know, a huge load of students. And then mm -hmm. we have counselors who have 20 or 30 students, right? And that certainly creates a different balance of equity in the resources that they're getting. So from a from an admission counselor's perspective, how do we help educate that? That's something that guilty as charged, right? I, I um, like to think that I am fairly knowledgeable and on, on the equity diversity side of the house, but I don't know everything and guilty as charged. I've never sat down with my uh, counselors and said, do you understand what equity? Let's talk about equity. And how do we see that play out in our different high schools and in our different students that come and visit the college, how we talk to parents about it in something that I would definitely go back and, and do more. So we've touched on this some, but what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen going from recruiting for enrollment to recruiting on campus for a career? All in all, I would tell you that it is very similar. And, you know, I'm actually pretty surprised that we don't see the career pathway more often in people from enrollment management. You know, the basics, territory strategies, cohort shaping, you know, our target audience um, generationally. Same, same, right? We are we are mm -hmm. still working with the same folks. We're shifting, of course, the obvious. The conversations with students are not about coming to a college and we're not working with high school counselors. The conversations with students are now getting out of college and what happens after. And we're working with our, our career center partners. But all in all, it's very similar. I would say that the biggest things I've kind of learned through the transition, there are a ton of things that enrollment management is doing right. And I think that's worth saying. There are many conversations where I go back to my time in admissions um, in my job today and say, hey, we did this and it worked really well. And, you know, we, we tried and it works. Things like the way we leverage and use our CRM, you know, shout out to many of the companies who, from a CRM standpoint, that have just done some really great things with it. Um, combining that application review with the communication campaigns that are going out to students. We're doing that well. I think enrollment management does a great job in general at communicating and targeting different audiences, right? The folks in, in our, the admissions world are thinking about students, about parents, about high school counselors. That's something that sometimes we lack in the corporate space. There aren't many companies sending newsletters, as an example, to our career partners. We absolutely should. The yield campaigns are not necessarily as big, right? We've got application generator campaigns, but we've got to really up the ante on some of those things. 
the flip coin of that, something that I, I think the corporate recruiting side does better, and I wish we saw a little bit more in, in the higher ed side, is just a, a level of urgency that exists in the space. There's a lot of pressure in enrollment overall, mm-hmm. but I think what we're lacking is urgency and a sense of, okay, what are we going to do? Here's where we're at. What are we going to do to adapt? How can we change quickly? How can we make things move a little bit faster? Institutionally, there are, of course, you know, different potential blocks, but those exist in the corporate world too. There are just more conversations. There's more sponsorship of, of leadership. And I think, again, from the top down, there's more accountability. And that very well could start with the, the VP of enrollment. I like that she calls out pressure and urgency because pressure provides some stress. It provides us that need to grow, that need to perform. But without that urgency, it's just ongoing stress. You know, we have to have that, we need this done by a certain deadline feeling. I know one of the things we had kind of touched on a little previously was just once you get off campus, suddenly things go 100 times faster. Tying that into this need for accountability, what's something that offices might be able to do to ramp up the speed, ramp up that urgency, while also making sure, hey, we need to move faster, we need to be more responsive, we need to do X, Y, Z, but we also need to hold staff accountable and support them through that. Are there some things you've seen that translate over? Yeah. You know, going back to the metric side, I think that's huge. I think we do need to do a better job in, in enrollment of keeping track of the things that will showcase the work that our teams do. I have never met, you know, a, a group of people that work harder than admission counselors. They work their butts off, right? And we all know that. But there may be folks at our own institutions that don't know that. So things like the hours of travel they've put in, the total amount of students that they've connected with at, you know, career fairs, at high school visits, virtually, on the phone, just the overarching number of conversations that your offices are having. All of those things make an impact. And when you can share some of those with, with your leaders, right, your president, your cabinet, your faculty, and say, here's what our team's doing. Here's what we need from you. I think it goes a long way, um, again, in that transparent spirit, right, to share, here's some metrics we're, we're putting forward. We need you to talk to more students. Um, if we are meeting with, you know, a thousand students, just to round up some numbers here, and you're only talking to 30, there's a really big gap. The majority of the students are not getting the faculty connection that they're seeking, as an example. So all of those conversations would be the type of metrics and in the type of conversations that I would urge folks to have with their leaders and their faculty. That's great advice, advocating for your staff. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's really important. If people are listening to this and they get to the end, they sound, that's that sounds great. I've been looking for sort of that next transition. What are some of those skills that they should be getting now to help move on to this type of role? Yeah, I you know, I, I think a big thing is continuing to understand um, how these skills translate, right? You're not going to see it on, on postings. Um, you may not see what you're working on directly applicable, but it really is. And the more you know the higher education system, um, the better. So getting an understanding of what our student life colleagues do. How do they work with student groups? What are the, what are the type of development opportunities that student groups are providing each other as a, as a peer group? How do career centers work? How does enrollment play into outcomes, right? All of those things and, and really understanding that concept is huge. I think if you ultimately want to end up in kind of a corporate recruiting campus recruiting or university recruiting type of space, which is where I work in today, Internal mobility seems fairly doable in higher education, right, with our institutions. So if you have an opportunity to step into 
career, that's often kind of that a quick step then into corporate recruiting because those are the the people you're interacting with. And it's much more similar to, you know, going from admissions to high school guidance counselor or college counselor in high school. Um, so that's a that's an option, but definitely get familiar with how your institution works and how other institutions um, work. What are some of the processes and ideas you're using now that you wish you could take back? Yeah, that is a good question. You know, I think a big one is asking really intentional questions to students. We often, I think in, in my experience during my, my work in admissions, there were so many students that would say, you know, well, I'm between this and this. And oftentimes the conversation ended there, right? And I, I saw it play out time and time again. Oh, okay, well, um, let us know, you know, let us know once you decide. Maybe we'd ask, when do you think you'll make a decision? But we didn't necessarily go the extra mile. Um, and that's something my brain has been retrained on. Again, unlearn and relearn here or in this new career pathway. And a lot of it is asking intentional questions um, that can help you decide, okay, is this student that is in kind of my green bucket? Like I, they're definitely coming here. Is a student more of a yellow where I can tip the scale if I try a little bit harder? And then, you know, this student is, they're just not coming here. So asking mm -hmm. questions about why are you in between the two of them if you chose blank school today, why would you do that? If you chose blank school today, why would you do that? So participate in the act of reflection with them during those opportunities that we do have to talk one-on-one -on -one with them. Ask about that decision timeline, right? Is there, when is that? When are you hoping to make your decision? And um, if your decision was today, where would you go? What do you need, mm -hmm. right? Even just those tipping scale questions. What would you need from us to get a better understanding or to, to help kind of be, be the winning school here? But the key part to that is that we then have to do something with those questions, right? We, we should not be asking a question that we're not going to do anything with the answer. So if a student tells us, you know, I just feel like I need to connect more with the faculty. I, about the other school, you know, I got to do this and this and this. And we say, okay, good to know. And then we do nothing. That's going to be, we're not just neutral anymore. Now it's negative points, right? So Definitely think asking intentional questions and doing something, making sure you're doing something or have a plan to do something with the answers of the questions you're asking is huge. There is so much passive questioning, whether it is asking questions on forums or on your application that you never use, or just calling up and saying, hey, I'm just checking in. Have you made a decision yet? Those are just wasted opportunities. Either cut them out or do something with it. Take that next step. Oh, you're not ready to make that decision yet? Let's talk about what we can do to help move you through or to get you to say, I'm just not interested. The other thing I would I would also bring up is particularly the schools that are in a position where they are trying to raise enrollment numbers at uh, for a certain major or a certain group of majors. I think there's such a thing as students just not knowing what they don't know, right? If you go to a high school and you ask about what majors the school has um, or what they want to major, they're, they're going to list the most common ones. Um, so we have to be more intentional if that's something you want to do about helping educate our students in that. And what is it and what are the outcomes and what can you do with it? We do that often, right? I, something I've learned in this role, college students have no idea what kind of jobs are out there. They know, again, the general ones. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, if you're going into business, there are a million and a half different segments of business that you could go into. And so our team has had to do a much better job explaining 
what are those different areas that people may not know about that are equally as interesting or even in some cases more interesting. You've talked about accountability a couple of times. What does accountability look like in terms of holding ourselves accountable, holding our staff accountable, holding our leaders accountable? It obviously starts with ourselves, right? I think we have to often lead lead by example. If you have the opportunity to influence and whether you have the, the leader title as part of your job or not, you have the opportunity to influence peers um, and you have the opportunity to manage up, right? And so I definitely think asking questions that lead to answers of accountability is probably the the biggest tool in the toolbox that you could take away. And and there's no such thing, I don't believe at least as, you know, somebody who asks too many questions because if we're not thinking critically in enrollment management, we're going to lose. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely it. you know, I would start with questions. To steal a little bit here from Janice Chang McConnell, she talked about how everyone is a marketer because mm-hmm. everyone is marketed too. I think everyone can be a leader because everyone is led and everyone can influence someone else. Absolutely. Up or down, right? Up or down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about professional development, the training, growth opportunities? You know, how is that different at a large corporation compared to working in an institution? I think the biggest difference I would point out, you know, we've got great organizations like NACAC, um, its affiliates, and, you know, I, I was grateful to be very engaged. Shout out to Indiana ACAC. Kentucky ACAC, really great organizations there. Um, and and we're, we all get excited about those opportunities, right? And that's what we often see as, oh, professional development, I'm going to this conference or, or I'm going to do this webinar. But the conversation and the high of learning tends to kind of die out. We're, we're getting super excited and something else comes on the table and we got to pay attention to that. And all of our you know, stuff that we received from content just goes in a file and we never open it again. So I think the biggest thing I've noticed is that the organization, the corporations, and I would hope that we see this trend happening more in our institutions, particularly in our world today, are taking ownership of continuing those conversations and bringing that up again, right? So it, not just say, hey, well, you went to a conference, present out to your team, but hey, well, what did you learn and how can we implement it? And let's talk to everybody else and let's go to our director or our VP and, or our president, right, and share hey, we saw this best practice. This is how it worked elsewhere. These other people are doing it. Here's how we think we can we can leverage it and we can do it. So really owning some of that personally. And then as a leader, making sure that, again, you're asking the questions and continuing the conversation of development more regularly. And making sure to open up that notebook, you know, mm-hmm. three months, mm-hmm. six months from now and, and say, oh, yeah, th- this really worked well or, oh, I'd forgotten about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the folks in the chairs, right, our directors, our VPs, they also have the power to open doors for people that are um, more junior on their team. And, you know, uh, for a director to say, hey, well, what you brought back from so-and-so company is awesome. I'd, I'd love for you to present it out to not just the team, but let me invite the VP to to the conversation or if you want to put something together for how we can implement it, come on in to my one-on-one and let's talk about your vision. Well, what about some of this uh, growth that we all have to do with diversity, equity, inclusion? That's a big topic. It should have been for much longer than it has mm-hmm. been. But how is that different in a corporate setting versus on a campus? Again, I'm going to say I am super grateful to work 
for U.S. Bank. It is an organization that I think embodies the the core value um, of diversity. I, I think it's an organization that, you know, walks the talk. And I say this to you as a, a woman of color who is happily married to a phenomenal wife, right? So it is a, the, the triple threat here, but I think a big part of that and why I feel that way is because conversations are happening because it's being brought up, right? Because we talk about it and from a, from a higher ed standpoint, not just to students, we make stances on where we stand with it. And um, we share it with our board members. We share it with our, with our employees. We share it with our customers. And I would hope that that's something that we start to see more and more with institutions, obviously there are balances, right? We, we can't forget about our, our folks in advancement who are trying to navigate mm -hmm. the world of donors. But at some point, yeah. the institution has to take ownership for their core belief and their core value and make it known. Twin Cities has had some negative light shown mm -hmm. on it this year. But mm -hmm. I mean, that, when you get down to it, it's not that hard to just stand up and do the right thing either. Absolutely. And, and, and I mean, that's a great example. I hear in the heart and soul of, you know, the, the George Floyd tragedy and our CEO sent out an employee wide email saying this is personal. This is, this is what I believe. And this is how I feel that resonated right across the board. And we're talking about 70,000 plus people. So that's been a huge difference from my experience. How are you addressing the questions and concerns about fit differently now? Yeah, I, a lot of it comes to comes down to educating myself, right? So thinking through what is the business need. We have what we call kind of workforce planning type of meetings with our with our leaders. That's the biggest part, right? Now you could translate that too. I think those conversations need to happen in in enrollment. You know, we need to talk about what makes a successful biology student. You know, beyond just the GPA and test score. Um, is there a certain grit or a drive that we're looking for as well? And how is that demonstrated? And what are the points that show us that? So I think we've got to ask more of those questions. That's how we approach, again, kind of these, these meetings with our, with our hiring managers and understanding, okay, what are the skills? Great. What's required? What's preferred? And how are those demonstrated, right? And, and not just the technical skills. How do you see potential? Um, and what does that mean for you? So asking those critical questions again is, is huge. And then once you ask them, how do you how do you personalize those next steps, that next part of the conversation based on them? Yeah, great question. Obviously, there's a balance. They they've got to hit some of the some of the more technical skills, um, and then a big one is understanding the candidate. Right? Do they see themselves at an organization like where you're recruiting? Right? Mm -hmm. Because if they don't, from the get-go, if they're looking for something else, and you've you know you've tried this educating perspective, but at the end of the day, you're that's not what they want. You're not going to get them. So I think it's kind of this concept of you know recruit to retain in many ways. Mm -hmm. I think a little farther ahead than just making the class or making the number. Um, who is going to graduate from our institution? One of my really great mentors, when I first made the career transition, shared with me, you know, I recruit not for the role I'm recruiting for, but for the next level role. So who can not only do the role to this role, but who has the potential to then become the next step in that field? And I think, again, if we translate that, who can, who not only is going to start with us, but who's going to graduate from our institution? I think it, it would be a huge shift of mindset. That's a great way of thinking of it. You know, you have your, your campus recruiters. How are you training them to look at all the qualitative factors too? 
You know, some campuses can get a little worried about that. Well, we can only look at the numbers because we don't want to have too much fuzzy logic in all this. You know, mm-hmm. how do you how do you handle that? Great question. Fuzzy logic is tough, but it's often needed, right? I think we we kind of go back to understanding equity a little bit more and really understanding where somebody may be versus versus another person or what they may have had the opportunities that they may have had. And how do we, you know, create those those bikes to make sure everybody can bike in them appropriately in different sizes, right? I don't think there's a, I don't think I can give you a really true black and white answer here. Um, I think you need to understand what the core behaviors in many ways that you're looking for. So a, a good example is, you know, when I when I recruit for people on my own team, I set out not just, hey, I'd love for them to have experience in in this or this. Um, but really talk through, okay, communication, that's important to me, mm-hmm. you know, ability to operate in gray space, recruiting anywhere really is shifts quickly. So agility is important to me. And um, so really kind of pinpointing, okay, these are the areas that really matter. And this, these are the areas that are going to make a good, a good student for this particular major or for our school. So as an example, with this agility idea, how, how quickly can you shift gears? You know, what are you using to evaluate that? Do you have some sort of rubric or a series of questions? What's that way that you evaluate? Yeah, so I am of the mindset of, you know, your your best source of success is a future success is, is previous success, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of it is in the questions that we ask. So we, we definitely lean on behavioral interview questions. Um, I think that's something that in our admission interviews, we can we can certainly add and adapt. You know, tell me about a time when you had to blank. Give me an example of a time when you blank, right? Many of those things provide an opportunity for us to better understand what the person has done or has had to do. And that gives you probably the best example of how they may act or react in the future with a similar situation. Mm -hmm. The other thing too is, you know, talking about failures in many ways, right? I think that's the one of the biggest ways that we recognize grit in students without a clear developed test or metric. Tell me about the last time you felt like you fail and what got you out of it. Like kind of how did how did you process through that? And then you may hear some really impactful, um, not only stories that maybe help you understand the person a little bit better, uh, but also give you a better sense of how they may react to things not going so well, right? Are they going to be the, the type of students that say, you know what? I'm done. I, I'm not going to, I'm leaving. Um, or are they going to be the type of students that are going to be, try to be as resourceful as possible and, you know, go talk to different offices and, and talk to different people they know and try to do their best to stay, stay at your institution. Yeah. Can they self-advocate? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you're recruiting for careers, how are you addressing equity differently than you did on a campus? You know, in, in many ways, I think it's it's similar. You know, we have students who, like I mentioned before, have, have guidance um, that may be more prepared, that have more opportunities provided to them. It comes back to having a lot of conversations about it, right? Always, always asking, looking at things a little bit differently. And something I would definitely implement if I were going to go back is having those conversations with my team more regularly, mm-hmm. right? So how come we're seeing that students from this group of schools, right, tends to interview a lot better with us. 
well, we've got to think about, you know, maybe the students from this group of school, their counselors have super high um, ratios. So how, what can we do, right, as an institution or as a group of counselors? Maybe we need to spend a little bit more time with the, with the students and the counselors from this school and ask them what they need uh, and really figuring out how can we best help you, right? It, it, would it help if we did a, a more in-depth resume review or a, you know, a more in-depth college application or assessing fit. And we have many of those opportunities, but oftentimes those opportunities come from the schools that already have a ton of those resources available or their ratios are smaller. So I think it's mm-hmm. flipping the coin and, and trying to meet um, students in, in schools where they're at. There's a lot of people who might be worried, well, if I, well, if I say the wrong thing, having these conversations, how do you address these things head on? You can't go wrong, in my opinion, when asking. You got to be willing to ask the questions. And then if you're corrected, if you are asked to approach it differently, then unlearn what you did and relearn, right? So take that back in. But if we are not even asking anything, then we have no idea what we're doing. So I would say more than anything, you know, have the, have the courage to, to have conversations. Um, and we're seeing that play out time and time again in our environment right now kind of this idea of courageous conversations, right? And, and those have to happen. So I would say, start by asking. And whether that's a, a trusted source or, or somebody you don't know at all, um, whatever is most comfortable to you, you're going to get a head start. Yeah, well, kind of to wrap us up here, what's one thing that someone can do to help grow themselves, to help invest in themselves or invest in, in someone else in their office? What's that one thing you'd recommend to help them press forward? Uh, I think I'm going to go with the theme that I, I am picking up. I'm, I'm giving out today here, but don't be afraid to ask questions, right? Whether they are questions that can help hold a leader accountable, whether they are questions that can help provide you information that helps build equity, right? Whether they are questions that you ask students to help assess better fit for them. Um, or whether there are questions that you're asking yourself, right, about what what you want to happen in your own development and then, you know, continue to ask yourself, well, what do I need for that to happen and who do I need to go to and where does that conversation need to start? So there's so much power in questions that I hope people can can take forward with them. Well, thank you. And if someone does want to take that advice and, and follow up with you and ask some questions, what are some ways they could get in touch? I absolutely welcome it. Um, feel free to add me on LinkedIn, Vicky, uh, V-I-C-K-Y, Hidalgo, H-I-D-A-L-G-O. Um, and I'd be happy to share. I'm always up for a call. People people that know me know that I, I love chatting and I love meeting new people. So give me a call. We can connect um, or we can certainly exchange emails and ideas. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I hope, hope you stay safe and thank you for your time here. Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure. 